0: In Gujarat, in Maharashtra, in Andhra Pradesh, in Bihar, all in, in Uttar Pradesh, in all parts of India.
1: And, and in Pakistan and Afghanistan? Yeah,
0: Pakistan Afghanistan sahabas border... Afghanistan.
1: This is Dr Bharati Pal, inscriptions yeah. expert at the Orissa State Museum in eastern India, talking about the edicts of ruler called Ashoka. India's written history begins with these proclamations carved into boulders and pillars across the breadth of the subcontinent.
0: In every place of India is rocked, is found, and that is the Brahmi script, is the mother of all Indian script. From all the script is derived from this Brahmi script.
1: It's the third century BCE. The preachers of philosophies of non-violence, shramanas like Mahavira and the Buddha, have become part of India's oral traditions. And independent kingdoms and republics, like this one Kalinga, face absorption into an empire. We're here because this edict of Ashoka on the Dorley hillside looks down on the valley where his imperial army, white banners glittering, came to crush this stubborn province. We're right next to a road up the hill to the temples and the shrines that have been erected on this spot by Buddhists. I just want to get a sense of the Kalinga war because we've got the literary sources that say that this was the battlefield.
0: Yeah.
2: So, I and don't... I have
0: seen you that river, yeah. It is said that one lakh people were killed. One
2: hundred and fifty thousand were dispossessed. One hundred thousand were slain there and many more died otherwise.
0: Many ladies lost their husbands, many mothers lost their children. These are all types of things described in these inscriptions. After that he became a changed man and he became a Buddhist.
1: After this conquest, Ashoka rules perhaps one human being in three, the biggest empire in the world, stretching from the Hindu Kush to the Bay of Bengal.
0: In Northwestern Frontier and Pakistan, it is written in Kharosti script, in Greek, in Greek script, in Aram is Aramic script. There are four language script is used by Ashoka.
1: Buddhists also credit this changed man with turning Buddhism from a, a minor philosophy into a proselytizing religion. His proclamations advance the cause of animals. In them, he creates animal hospitals, bans slaughter, and opposes their use as food. So this episode, we discover when an animal activist was the most powerful man on earth. Vegetarianism, the story so far, with me, Ian McDonald, episode four, Ashoka, the Bihar State Museum. We're in the capital of Ashoka's Mauryan Empire, the city of Pataliputra, in the old kingdom of Magadha, where our story began with philosophers like the Buddha Mahavir preaching the concept of non-violence ahimsa. Here, back in the late 4th century, around 324 BCE, Ashoka's grandfather defeats the ruling dynasty and takes over the kingdom. Magadha already controls North India. King Chandragupta expands this south and west. He makes war on the successor of Alexander the Great, who surrenders Greek India, now northeast Pakistan and Afghanistan, in exchange for 500 elephants. So the Mauryan Empire spreads out from Magadha, from the heartland of these ascetic movements, the Shramanas, Jains, Buddhists, etc. So what did the Mauryan period mean for these uh, movements?
2: We have no images of Buddhism or Hinduism of the Mauryan period, and this is the only surviving uh, known religious figurine.
1: Professor UC Divedi, Emeritus Director of the Bihar State Museum. By the way, Bihar, the name of the modern Indian state, is another reminder that we are in the Stramala Heartland because it means monastery. In the main gallery, Professor Jivedi is showing me the remains of a statue of one of the Jain enlightened teachers, perhaps or Mahavir.
2: You you see this headless and legless, unfortunately, this torso of the Janser Thankar. This image is made in round of Tunar sandstone and the polish noticed on this image...
1: The polish on this sandstone torso still shines millennia later
2: because this policy is noticed only in the Mauryan period, neither before nor later on. Most probably it was product of the, the rulers of that time. And this
1: Jain statue from the exclusive royal quarry is a physical reminder of Mauryan support for these monastic ascetic movements that are associated with abstention from flesh. By now, some Brahmins, the hereditary priesthood who maintain rituals, ancient verses and animal sacrifices, are getting in on the asceticism. King Chandragupta supports a Brahmin monastery, and remember, monasteries were a Shramana idea. And the Greek diplomat who arranged that treaty describes Brahmins as following vows of bloodless purity during their apprenticeship.
2: They abstain from animal food and sexual pleasures, and spend their time in listening to serious
1: discourse
2: and in imparting their knowledge to any who will listen to them.
1: But that's only training when that's over.
2: They eat flesh, but not that of animals employed in labour. They marry as many wives as they please, with a vow to have numerous children.
1: These Stramana ideas spread out from their Magadha heartland along the trade routes the Empire creates. The first to spread are the fatalistic, now-vanished, mysterious Sajivakas, whom I mentioned in episode two, and the strictly vegetarian Jains. Fruit and vegetable sellers in the bazaar in Puducherry, in the Tamil south of India, Jainism takes root amongst traders. Trading and commerce are compatible with Jainism's strict principles of non-violence, and it spreads far. Our sources on King Chandragupta's last years are Jain, and they say he renounced the empire he had built to become a Jain monk in the south of India. And at the end, they say, as a devout Jain monk, he fasted unto death.
3: Because we know of Chandragupta going to southern Karnataka, becoming a Jain, dying in uh, starving to death in Shravana though So Karnataka was very much within Chandragupta's thing.
1: Dr. Suchandra Ghosh lectures on the Ashokan Edicts at Calcutta University and she met me in the city's Indian museum. Just inside, from one of central Calcutta's busiest roads, visitors are greeted by its prized exhibit... A lion from a pillar of Ashoka. A massive stylized lion sitting up and facing forward atop an upturned lotus. The lion is made of the same polished Mauryan sandstone as the Jain statue.
3: This is actually a Chunar sandstone. It is from, there was this quarry at Chunar. So this was the place. Right in the middle
1: of North India.
3: Absolutely, in the middle of the Ganga Valley, part of the Ashokan Empire. And from there, the stones were being brought, the pillars were made, and these pillars were all monolithic pillars, single stone pillars. And they had these capitals on them.
1: The throne passes to Chandragupta's son, and then Buddhist texts say, after a bloody succession struggle, his grandson, Ashoka. And for the first time in this story, we hear an Indian figure not in the oral traditions of followers and rivals, but in his actual words.
2: Wherever there are stone pillars or stone slabs, there this dharma edict is to be engraved.
1: Ashoka takes over an empire that covers the whole subcontinent about the southern tip and close to its heart by the Bay of Bengal, this stubborn province called Kalinga.
0: Kalinga was a very prosperous and powerful country. It is a country of warrior peoples. In our, all the Purana, Upanishad, Mahabharata, Ramayana.
1: The ancient epics. They
0: have written that Kalinga is a country of warrior people. Very warriors are there.
1: Ashoka defeats the Kalingas in the eighth year of his reign. His edict here is now protected by a small concrete hut. Beside it, an elephant carved in relief steps out of the stone.
0: This is the best carving elephant in the Kalinga. The best
1: carving of an elephant yeah, yeah. in Kalinga. Yeah,
0: in Kalinga. Actually, in this part, he says, after this Kalinga war, the horrors of the Kalinga war is not mentioned here. He he look after the welfare of his the subject, and he announced that like my own children, he look all his subjects
2: all men are my children. What I desire for my own children, as I desire their welfare and happiness, both in this world and the other, that I desire for all men. You do not understand to what extent I desire this. Perhaps some of you do understand, but even they do not understand the full extent of my desire.
3: And he did not want the people of Kalinga to read about those things.
1: Sorry seems to be the hardest word.
3: Yeah, that's true. But uh, he um, he was definitely moved after the Kalinga War, after seeing the bloodshed and the killing in the Kalinga War. So Buddhism, of course, had a very strong impact on Ashoka, on his change of his personality.
1: Folk stories and Bollywood movies picture a dramatic battlefield conversion. Ashoka himself confesses to monks a more gradual process that started before his coronation.
2: It is now more than two-and-a-half years since I became a lay Buddhist. But till now I have not been very pious. Now, a year and somewhat more since I have visited the order, I am pious.
1: The Buddhist legends tell of a cruel, angry man who killed thousands of Ajivakas when offended, won over to peace by an erudite monk at court and redeemed by his patronage of the Buddhist order. A Sri Lankan text called the Mahavamsa, the Great Chronicle, ends. He had become known as Ashoka the Fierce. By this act, he became Ashoka the Righteous. But Ashoka himself leaves no doubt of the deep impact of Kalinga.
2: After the Kalingas had been conquered, beloved of the gods turned to a pious study of the Dharma, a love for the Dharma, and for instruction in dharma. Ethical right conduct. Now beloved of the gods feels deep remorse for his conquest of the Kalingas. For beloved of the gods is deeply pained by the slaughter, death and disposition that takes place when the unconquered are conquered.
1: The archaeological survey of India let Dr. me in to take a look at Ashoka's message for the officials and commons of Kalinga. So, how radical was this edict?
0: Actually, this is a revolutionary in nature because it's gave us some ethics,
1: principles. And the edict is the hut's fourth wall, twice as tall as we are and five yards or metres wide.
0: Actually, line one or two is written here. Here, it, here it is written is dharma-lipi. Dharma means that is ethic ethical principle, it's moral principle. principle. Ah, This is, this dharma.
1: ah, yeah, ah, this is the
0: dharma-lipi, the ah, yeah. This is the ethical principle, dharma-lipi.
1: The edict
2: begins. Beloved of the gods, King Piyadashi has caused this dharma-edict to be written.
3: Ashoka never used the grandiose titles. He never called him Maharaja or Maharaja-dhiraja. He was just Raja Ashoka was just king but he, that he was from magadh magadha Raja, he says one one point of time in one of the inscriptions
1: mainly he calls himself priyadarshi
3: priyadarshi devanam priya priyadarshi beloved of the gods and beautiful to look at
1: <laughs> and so <he's>, modest too <laughs> this is the very next sentence
2: yeah no living beings are to be slaughtered and sacrificed.
1: What really stands out in the ancient world is this ruler saying, be kind to animals, be nice to animals, and boasting of how few animals his kitchen killed. Absolutely,
3: this is this is uh, unique. I think this is unique. You do not have this kind of things. And then he talks about that all people, sabha muni se that all people are my children. And then he talks about not only of the human world but he thinks about the animal world which is very striking and one thing which we have to take note is that he drastically reduces the killing of animals for cooking in his kitchen and then he also but all this he did not do at one go.
2: Formerly in the kitchen of beloved of the gods King Piyadashi, many hundreds of thousands of animals were killed every day to make curry. But now with the writing of this Dharma edict only three creatures, two peacocks and a deer, are killed. And the deer, not always. And in time, even these three creatures shall not be killed.
3: This non-slaughter of animals was a strong vision that Ashoka had and therefore we have this uh, in his edicts also in, when he's preaching Dhamma. So one of the features of Dhamma is non-slaughter of animal beings.
2: It is good to not kill living beings.
1: He obviously didn't turn the continent vegetarian. But his edicts include protection laws for species and habitat, including off-seasons for hunting.
2: Those nanny goats, ewes and sows which are pregnant or nursing are protected, and so are young ones less than six months old.
1: He outlaws the worst cruelties of animal farming.
2: Animals must not be fed to animals.
1: So far, it's been the Jains making the running for animal advocacy. But even if these proclamations were honoured more in the breach than the observance, including animals in his public works breaks new ground.
2: I have had numerous watering places built for... Along roads I have had wells dug and trees planted for the benefit of man and beast. Established two types of medical treatment. Medical treatment for humans and medical treatment for animals.
1: In a future episode, and almost 2,000 years, we'll discover how animal hospitals, like this one in northwest India, will astound European travellers. By the way, that royal curry you'd find perfectly recognisable dal made of lentils and chickpeas, vegetables like squash cooked with onions and garlic in ghee, milk fat, or perhaps coconut oil in the south. But are those few animals killed for curry, for Ashoka or for others? Was he, by the standards of today, let alone the Jains of the Iron Age, vegetarian?
3: So there are indications when he stops killing animals, when he stops asking the fishermen not to fish, then naturally he's turning into a vegetarian. So these are implied, but as a uh, student of history, I cannot categorically, blanketly say that yes, Ashoka became a vegetarian.
1: If you remember, at the western edge of the Himalayas, and Ashoka's empire, in the Greek Indian territories, in a city called Alexandria then and Kandahar now, his edict stands translated into Aramaic and Greek with the Greek idiom for vegetarianism.
2: And the king abstains from animate beings, as do the other men. And all the king's hunters and fishermen have stopped hunting.
1: Of course, the truly sceptical could question the rigour of the translation from the king's own Prakrit into Greek, but that edict is the oldest object in the world, to mention vegetarianism. By the way, archaeologists only discovered it in 1957, and it disappeared from the Kabul Museum during the 1990s Afghan civil war, presumably looted. So what is the dharma? The ethic that this Buddhist king has promulgated to his empire of millions. With all his praise of non-killing and animal protection, they are advocacy pamphlets carved in rocks and sandstone, but he's also trying to hold an empire together with a national ethos encompassing respect for teachers, elders and gurus of all religions. In the Indian Museum Calcutta, Dr. Suchandra Ghosh.
3: This idea of dhamma was not just Buddhism, it was a way of life, it was a political philosophy. And he, through this idea, he was trying to uh, make dhamma a cementing factor for the entire um, subcontinent over which he was ruling.
2: And it consists of this, proper behavior towards bonded servants and hirelings, respect for mother and father, generosity to friends, companions, relations, Brahmins and Shamanas, and not killing living beings.
3: But what Ashoka did was that that by his Dhamma he could consolidate his empire. So he, to- he chose actually those things from Buddhism which are also very common to our day-to-day life. And like for example, even now our parents would ta- tell us that you have to be respectful towards the elders. You have to be respectful to your teachers. You should treat your servants equally. And But apart from that, uh, when he was talking about Buddhism, he never said, he said that there are Brahmanas and Shramanas in my country. And he never discriminated between the Shramanas and the Brahmanas.
2: There is no land, except among the Greeks, where these two groups, Brahmins and Shramanas, are not found.
1: So he tried to remote society and an empire with his personal, political, Buddhist-informed sense of dharma. How well did he do?
3: So he, the idea of dhamma that he had, he was trying to have officers known as dhamma mahamatras to go into different places. The only duty was that they should go and preach dhamma.
2: My dharma mahamantras are concerned with diverse good works amongst the ascetics and householders. Amongst all sects.
3: He was trying to have a kind of society where everybody will be under the spell of Dhamma, which was a little... Uh, little. Uh,
1: Sounds a little bit like political offices in you Virginia. Yeah,
3: and, uh, <laughs> absolutely. And then this is um, not accepted that all the people will think in the same tune. And what is important is that the uh, the Dharma Mahamatras they went uh, very categorically to different places.
2: Some were ordered that they should be busy with the affairs of the Buddhist order. I have also ordered that some should be busy with the affairs of the Brahmins and the Ajivikas, that some be occupied with the Jains.
1: This list confirms that these three specific movements, the Buddhists Ajivikas and the vegetarian Jains, have now emerged from the many philosophies of a few generations earlier. And again, one imagines that this army of Dharma Mahamathras also helped Ashoka make India and her traditions more vegetarian. But we don't know. And before we picture a vegetarian utopia, we should bear in mind that we've only got Ashoka's side of the story. As well as speaking softly, he does carry a stick. For example, his rule doesn't reach into India's vast forests. So to the tribes within, he says,
2: They are told that despite his remorse, Beloved of the gods has power when needed, so that they may be ashamed of their wrong and not killed.
1: Ashoka praises victory by Dharma over won by conquest.
2: Now it is victory by Dharma that Beloved of the gods considers to be the best victory.
1: But some scholars take this as a threat. It was terrible what happened to Kalinga. Wouldn't you prefer a victory by Dharma? He's a politician. But I do find it hard to read the frankness in these messages and through the hubris, not hear a passionate man who wants to change the world.
2: To do good is difficult. One who does good first does something difficult.
1: The Dawley and Kandahar edicts map far reaches of Mauryan power. But what are the lime capitals over the pillars in the Magadha heartland? And back in the day, this stood atop a pillar with the seven edicts on it, the kind of condensed version for the core empire. Right.
3: When we look at the pillar edicts, we find that he talks about mostly about Dhamma, and he talks about that he had gone for this 256 nights he had spent on the pilgrims.
2: In the past, kings used to go out on pleasure tours, during which there was hunting and other entertainment. But ten years after beloved of the gods had been enthroned, he departed for the place of enlightenment and thus instituted dharma tours.
3: These pillars, the seven pillars of Ashoka, most of them relates to sites having some kind of association with Buddhism. This is actually from Rampurva. This is a very important site.
1: Where the Buddha is said to have discarded his princely robes as he embarked on his life as an ascetic. There are pillars of Vaishali and Mahabodhi too, but it's Ashoka's efforts to spread Buddhism beyond his frontiers that has the most impact on vegetarianism. Even accepting the form of Buddhism he spread wasn't veggie, he creates the beachhead from which later Mahayana Buddhists will reach across Asia. And when he talks of attaining victory by Dharma, one assumes his diplomacy comes packaged with Buddhism.
2: And it has been one here. And on the frontiers, even 600 Yojanas away, where the Greek king Antiochus rules and beyond there, where the four kings named Antigonus, Magus and Alexander rule and in the south among the Cholas, the Pandyas and as far as Sri Lanka, this victory has been won everywhere and it gives great joy, the joy that only victory by Dharma can give.
1: What about his contribution to the spread of Buddhism, to the spread of the idea of ahimsa and not killing?
3: Of course, he is Ashoka will always be remembered as somebody who tried to spread Buddhism not only in our country but in uh, other places. For example, even now, I was in January. I was in Lower Myanmar and I found the archaeologists. They were showing me places where they said that uh, Sona and Uttara had come from Ashoka. Ashoka had sent them with the people leave to spread buddhism so in myanmar in sri lanka outside india you have the spread of buddhism which began with ashoka and which was carried on with other rulers also so his uh, spread of buddhism was definitely one of his agenda if we go by the textual references like the divyavadana and Ash- uh, ashoka vadana but these are all buddhist texts
1: the Ashokavadana so, is the life of ashoka from yeah. a very positive buddhist point of view right right Ashoka didn't retire to a monkhood like his grandfather. He reigned for less than 40 years. After his lifetime, he becomes a legend. In the Mahavamsa, for example, he miraculously built shrine mounds, stupas, for the Buddha's remains all over India overnight.
3: From those seven reliquaries of old, the Morin took away the relics of the sage and built on this earth in one day 84,000 stupas, resplendent as the morning
1: clouds. In the stories, he sends evangelists, founds monasteries and holds a major Buddhist council. This begs the question of whether Ashoka strengthens vegetarian ideas within Buddhism, and again, we can but guess. But he definitely hopes his dharma will last.
2: It has been engraved so that it may endure as long as my sons and great-grandsons live and as long as the sun and the moon shine.
3: Everything changed after Ashoka. So he was, I, his successes, we know the empire crumbled. His successes were also did not have that kind of um, understanding of his dhamma. Perhaps he was too ahead of his time. And later on, when we have Brahmanical rulers, you have horse sacrifices, ashwamedha yadiyas. Post Ashoka, There was not much of impact of his idea of non-slaughter of animals or ahimsa.
1: If he failed to change India, he transformed Buddhism. I asked two of the experts in Buddhism from earlier episodes. In noisy Delhi University, Professor K.T. Sarawa.
2: Well, we as uh, students and teachers of Buddhism believe that Ashoka was only second to the Buddha. If Ashoka weren't there, possibly we wouldn't have Buddhism at all. Actually he's the one who brings Buddhism into life as an institutionalised religion.
1: Because he funds the institutions? Yes. And in his home in Oxford, Professor Richard Gombridge. Did that have a permanent effect or was it just a tide that went out and Uh, then receded? Look at how much of the world is Buddhist, of course it had an enormous permanent effect. Ahsoka then became very important, especially for Buddhists in history, as if you like to use the expression of the golden age, that there was once this great Buddhist king. And, you know, through history, it happened in Cambodia, it happened in China, and so on. people said, I'm going to be Ahsoka, I'm going to be like Ahsoka. First, he pushes up into Nepal, and then they go further, and so on and of course, much of the Buddh- most of the Buddhism got to China from India via central Asia, and there were cent- there were Buddhist kingdoms in Central Asia. Ashoka himself passes utterly into myth until in the nineteenth century, a British indologist manages to decipher the Brahmi script on the pillars and rediscovers this lost king of united India, the capital from the column at Sarnath. The first sermon is much more ornate. Suchandra Ghosh and I walked up stone steps to the Indian Museum's replica.
3: And when Ashoka was, uh, this pillar was built, so you have the dharma chakra, you have the lion, you have the bull, so there is a connection with uh, Buddhism.
1: So what I'm looking at, I mean, it's, even if I had no interest in Vegetarian history. I would know this symbol very well because on every single note, I've been paying every single taxi driver with. Yeah. Uh, it's taller than me. Has lions facing out in four cardinal directions. Over an
3: upturned the, lotus.
1: And in between, you have a wheel and some animals. Yeah,
3: which is which represents the Dharma Chakra, the righteousness. So it's it was it was actually to show the kingship, the strength of the kingship. The lions were being used, and lions also. If you uh, if you see it in a different way, lions also were symbolical representation of Buddha. Excuse me, take photo. Oh, they want to take a
1: photo. To modern Indians, this lion capital that Ashoka had erected to mark the first preaching of the Buddhist Dharma is simply the emblem of the Republic of India. For Dr. Powell and dorley Ashoka is now a patriotic inspiration.
0: That non-violence principle is the best principle that we are getting independence of India in 1947. This principle of ahimsa or non-violence, it is adopted by our father of nation, Mahatma Gandhi. We have accepted it is our principle for getting independence against the Britishers. This is the revolutionary message. From the Osokan kind of
1: inscription. As we've heard, the Mauryan Empire crumbles under Ashoka's heirs. The next dynasty brings back the Vedic Brahminical horse sacrifice, and there are apocryphal stories of persecution of Buddhists. But Buddhist Greek kingdoms do persist in the footsteps of Alexander through the second and first centuries BCE to the days of Caesar Augustus. And whatever impact Ashoka had on India, Buddhism is on the road that will ultimately carry its pro vegetarian Mahayana form across East Asia. Shamanar ideas about vegetarianism travel west, too, to the Mediterranean. Next episode, we enter the religious struggles to succeed the retreating gods of Olympus, where ideas about vegetarianism are definitely part of the argument. This episode was sponsored by Kickstarter backers Menka and Ajay Sungvi to whom I'm very grateful Nimi Hirani of the Philosophy Club Ahmedabad gave me great help with production with the music of Rob Masters the voices of Sandeep Gauta, Jeremy Hancock and as King Ashoka warrior, Vinay Varma follow on Facebook and Twitter.com slash veganoption there's more to find out at veganoption.org. Finally, if you like this series, and I'm guessing you do if you've listened this far, please do help get the word out. Review on iTunes or your podcast provider, share it on Twitter and Facebook, blog about it and tell your friends. It takes months of unpaid work to put this series together, so if you think it's too good to keep it to yourself, let everybody know. Thank you so much for listening.